0: So I wanted to, first of all, um, I probably should not do this, but I'm going to because uh, so many, uh, I feel like there's so many people who have uh, health needs right now. And I've had several conversations with people who are just, some people are just desperate because they just need God to touch them. And I don't care what you say. People say we shouldn't be desperate. But if you are diagnosed with something that's really that could kill you, that makes you feel desperate. I mean, so let's just get real here. And so, um, you know, it's provoking in the spirit is what it is. That's how I feel. I feel like the Lord is using that to provoke us to to release his healing. Because I believe God wants to heal people. It's not, the you know, this is the... Charismatic or Pentecostal thing to do. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus died for. as part of His reason for death was to bring health to His people. Yeah. And one, so, one of the things I've been doing is going back and or, or and just studying healing and um, and I so I heard this guy recently. I wanted to just tell you this one little thing. And this was a, this was kind of a shocking statement because this guy I would say probably in the last ten years. Uh, has been probably most well-known for healing in the church. He has an amazing healing ministry. Um, And this is what he said. He said, everybody I pray for, it's not because I have faith. It's not because I feel stirred. It's not because I feel moved. It's a choice. It's a decision that I press into to pray for them to be healed. And you know who that person was? Anybody want to guess? What? Randy Clark is getting close. Bill Johnson. That's what he said. Yeah, it's a decision. In other words, he's basically saying what everybody feels when you're somebody comes to you for healing. I can't heal you. I can't do nothing. I can pray, and if God doesn't, you know, you have those feelings. We all have those feelings. Like, you know, we're believing God heals. We're hoping God heals, but you know, we all feel a little nervous you know, when we're praying for people to be healed. So I, I want to encourage you, to, to, let that be an encouragement to you not to hold back because people don't get healed if other people don't pray for them or if other people don't somehow move, be moved by God and let the compassion of the Lord that's in you move you. And And you may think, I can't do it. Well, that's great, you can't, but Jesus can through you. You know, and that's what, you know, the Bible says in uh, Acts 15 that God did extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Extraordinary miracles by the hands. God did the miracle, but God used Paul's hands to do the miracles. God's just looking for some hands. All hands on deck. And I just think this is just be intentional and and be brave enough to pray for people. And stop being, don't be timid about it. Because being timid is not going to do anything. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Yes. And I'm saying that to me as much as I am to you, but there's more to come on that. Amen? Yes. So I'm going to read a couple verses to you. I don't really have time to do all this, so I'm going to just going to reset and do this. Let me read this one. Uh, John 14, 26. Let me read this verse. This is beautiful. It says, When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. Why? Isn't that a beautiful verse? He will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything I have told you. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus told them. Uh, And that means us too because we're used, right? Uh, Let me just pray for a second. Father, we thank you today uh, for for the word of the Lord. And we were just saying, "Word of the Lord, come to me." Uh, <clears throat> Woo, Jesus, yes. yeah. yeah, come to us, Lord. Yeah. Touch us with your word. Touch us with the word of the Lord and power, Lord. Yes. Don't you like that word "advocate" there? You yes. know, kind of is like a, a legal term, uh, advocate. Yes. Uh, actually, you know, another translation uses the word "comforter." Um, that's one of the same intercessors, another meaning of that. Somebody who's going to stand for you. And that's really what the Holy Spirit does is he stands for us. He steps in for us. He advocates for us. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus is trying to show us here is that he's going to do exactly what I did. Uh, but one of the things he does is he tells us, he reminds us. Everybody say remind, um, I want to talk to you about being reminded or I want to talk to you about remembering um, because it's just a powerful thing. I, I think remembering is one of the least understood and least used spiritual weapons that God has given all of us. Now, that may sound crazy to you, but when you begin to really go into the Scriptures and look at what the Scripture says about remembering, you'll find out that remembering is a powerful force that God wants to use in our life that can bring, in fact, we had a great example of that when Louis shared a testimony that he remembered, okay? He remembered God did something and he shared it. And when that is spoken out again, there's the opportunity for God to do the same thing again. Whether you believe that or not, that's actually what the word testimony means. It means do it again. Do it again. And so when we begin to remember something that God has done, it's, it, has the, it has the power to do something. That's why Jesus said the Holy Spirit will remind you. He will remind you. So he wants to remind some people of something this morning. Um, years ago, I was in Argentina, and there was this guy preaching And obviously he was preaching in Spanish, since that's what they speak there. And there was two or three people who could speak English in the room, so they weren't interpreting. You know, so we were just we were sitting at the back of the room, and there was this guy that was kind of whispering, you know, giving us the highlights of what this guy was preaching on. And so you know, you're getting a little bits and pieces, and then you can kind of pick up on a little bit of what they're saying if. If you listen to Spanish, it's not really that hard to kind of... You can kind of figure out things if you just listen. And so we were listening to this guy, and and he was preaching out of Mark chapter 8. And he was talking about when Jesus was... uh, They were crossing over the Sea of Galilee in a boat, and Jesus began to talk to his disciples about uh, beware... Of the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees, he began to really really uh, try to talk to his disciples about being careful about that, what these these true groups of people, what they bring to them. You know, beware of this political spirit, the, the leaven of the Herod, Herodians and the Pharisees is obviously the religious spirit, so Jesus was warning them about those spirits that were and are very powerfully at work in the world, right. <laughs> I mean, so he was saying, you gotta be careful about these things. Okay? But the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. Okay? They thought he was talking about, well, they were they said to them each other, like, well, he's he's upset because we didn't bring food. We didn't bring bread. That's what they, they you know. And of course he was talking on this level, they were talking on that level. Lots of times, that's the way it is with us, right? Jesus is up talking on this level, and we're understanding on this level. He's talking spiritual. We're, we're here natural, okay? Because we haven't always learned how to hear from the Spirit. And so Jesus began to, you know, say, and he said this, verse 18, and this is what really caught me from this message this guy gave because I'd never heard it before. And actually when he read this verse, I actually heard in my spirit, I heard this rhythm all of a sudden in what he was saying. And suddenly it became more than just words. There was this rhythm, this spiritual rhythm that came on this guy when he was talking and his words had this rhythm to them. Which, you know, I also I was totally in like, wow. I mean, this, I knew that God was speaking it through his mouth at that moment, something that was really important. And this is what he said. Uh, he was, in verse 18, you have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? Don't you remember anything at all? And so what this guy was saying, this is what his point was in his message, is sometimes when God speaks to us or sometimes when God's doing something, you know, we can see it. Somehow we can perceive it spiritually. We can just know it. I mean, that's a whole nother topic, but sometimes you can just pick up or sometimes you can hear it, but sometimes you don't see it, Right. Many times we don't hear it. Or or am I the only person who finds themselves in that boat? I'm always asking this question, what in the world are you doing, Lord? What in the world are you saying, Lord? You know, one of the most difficult questions that I get asked all the time, Byron, what is the Lord saying to you? Or what's the Lord showing you? And it's like, duh. (laughs) Unless I just happen to be in a moment of spiritual clarity. I don't really have a good answer, so I've just started turning it on people. What's the Lord show, showing you? The Lord telling you anything? And they look at me the same thing. I don't really know, <laughs> you know. And I think that's the way we are lots of times. So we don't. So, so Jesus made a way for us. Okay. There's power in this way. He said, "Don't you remember?" In other words if you can't see what God's doing and if you can't hear what God's doing you need to use the power of your remembrance now listen to me this is very biblical you need to use the power of your remembrance because when you step into the power of your remembrance you're going to tap into something spiritual that's what he was telling if you can't see what I'm doing if you can't understand what I'm saying, you can't hear anything I'm doing use your, your use your memory of what I've already said or what I've already done, and go back into that place and let that thing carry you. Well, this is, yeah, it really is. It's really powerful. Uh, You know, actually, the word remember, the word remember itself is used over 350 times in the Bible. Uh, The the word memory or remind and those, you know, other Ways to say in that word is used over 700 times in the Bible. One of the most powerful things that the church does. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, what? Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The more the most powerful. We talk about the finished work of the cross. We are remembering something that was already done. Because your memories can bring the power of that thing into your presence. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Why, why are we talking about something finished? It's done. It's over with. It's gone. That shouldn't have any effect on us. It really has a big effect on us. But it has an effect on us when we begin to remember it. When we begin to remember what Jesus did for us at the cross, we can pull the power of that thing right into our present situation. That's why Jesus gave us this thing called communion. Celebrating the Lord's Supper is one of the, really one of the only uh, rituals that He really asked the church to do. There's really nothing else He asked us to do as a ritual. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you do this. It's like prayer. It's like, it's like reading the word of God. It's something that he wanted us to do often, regularly, in the church setting, the congregational setting, in your personal personal. How many people do communion at home? Raise your hand. Uh, raise your hand. Good. Let's look around you. Let me ask you to start doing communion at home with you and your wife or if, or if you're a single person. Just do it. Just do it. You know, if you don't have any grape juice or wine, use orange juice. Uh, If you can't eat bread, use cashews, you know, or crab. It doesn't matter. None of that. Use water if you have to. But you're doing something. You're remembering something. When you begin to do that, you're pulling the power, the power of of what he did into your present situation. I wrote down a few things about memory. Uh, Let me go back to that. A story from luke eight eighteen just to finish uh, the uh when I heard that that night you know it really kind of it really struck me uh that there was something to to that to mem- remembering thing, so I really began to try to try to uh practice remembering and um by the way the the preacher was Jim hill the guy who was preaching on that. So I want to credit him for this thought, the seed that he put in my heart. Uh, And the guy interpreting or trying to interpret him was none other than Larry Falto himself. (laughs) I don't know if you remember. That was probably 12 years ago, Larry, when that happened. But it was just such a powerful... I don't know what his other points was in that message, but I know that point really really got a hold of me. And I began to really use uh, remembering in this... In my own life, it's carried me through some of the worst moments of my entire life is when I have felt so challenged in my life uh, because, you know, the devil's always trying to steal something from you. He's, he's trying to steal your destiny. He's trying to steal your purpose. He's trying to steal your identity, trying to steal who you are. And, there's, and, and it's just he always he never comes uh, conveniently. He, never, he always catches you at a moment where you're not, not ready for it. I remember one night... Uh, I got this phone call. It's one of these phone calls you never want to get. It's one of these midnight phone calls. On the other end is this man screaming, crying. Uh, his wife had, had died. Uh, suddenly, had unexpectedly had died. She she had the flu, he thought. And then she falls over in the bathroom dead. And and I said, what? Just don't do nothing. Don't do, you know, I'm, we're going over there. We're going to raise her from the dead. I mean, that was my thought. On the way over there, I, this little voice it wasn't a little voice. It was a mean voice. It was an angry voice. Came to me like, "What kind of, what kind of shepherd are you? How dare you? You let her die. How dare you think you're going to go over there?" That was the voice I was hearing, and I was, and I and this thought came to me at that moment, like, "Yeah, how dare me? What am I doing?" Then I'm like, "Wait a minute. Wait, wait. wait. This is what I'm doing." I remembered. I remember the moment I felt the Lord call me. I remember the moment that Lord spoke to me to do what I was doing. And I said, that's why I'm doing this. It's because he told me to do it. He told me, well, I didn't get a raise from the dead, but... I tried. <laughs> I did try. But you see what I'm saying? That's how powerful memories It it, keep, it displaces what the devil's doing in your life when you go back to a moment where God did something. Uh, many times in worship here or anywhere I'm at in worship, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't, uh, I'm not really, I'm not always a very emotional person. My, I keep my emotions to myself mostly because, because when they get out, they're like out. You know what I'm saying? Like embarrassing or not good out. So I I try to keep my emotions at bay. Uh, So, you know, I would like to be more expressive in church and worship, honestly. I kind of hold back. Uh, One reason I hold back is because I scream too loud and it makes my throat hurt. You know, I don't really quite have the spring in my knees as I used to have. So I don't want to be doing a bunch of jumping around. But inside of me is just this thing, but... Sometimes, you know, I don't feel nothing. But you know what I do? I start remembering. I start remembering moments where God touched me in worship. And I start thinking about how sweet that was and how beautiful that was. And you know what it does for me? It helps me engage at that moment instead of sitting back and being passive. Y'all, being passive is not good with the Lord. It's really not. It's, being passive gets you nowhere. I was a passive Christian for me, er, in, my, in my early Christian life for years, and it got me nowhere. It's when I made a choice, a decision not to be passive about God, about my own spiritual life, and about what God called me to do. That's when things begin to change for me. As I begin to become intentional, just like what I was saying about Bill Johnson about the praying, making a decision to do what's right making a decision to worship God because he's worthy, not because I feel like worshiping, or not because I like what the worship team is or how things feel. You know? You know, anybody can worship God when God's moving powerfully. Okay? But not everybody can worship God when they're in the pits of despair. You know? That's when it becomes a choice and a decision in your life. And it really is a sacrifice of praise. And it really the truth is this, and, you know, I mean, I get it. Sometimes you just can't even muster that. But that's not the, the norm. Are you okay? I'm not fussing at you. I'm just telling you the truth here this morning, you know, about this whole thing. Is God's really calling the church up now? You know, I feel like we've been in a, I feel like we've been in a season for a few years, actually, that where God was, there wasn't this real calling up thing. You know, it was more of a healing, inner healing time, a more comforting time. Okay, but I feel something has shifted. That's what I feel, and I feel like God's saying, "Listen, it's time to move forward. It's not time to set back. It's time to make steps of faith. You hear what I'm saying? It's time to to lean into what God and begin to become intentional." about what you're doing with your spiritual life and, how, and your relationship with him and your calling and your purpose and your destiny? Do you want to get to the end of your life and realize you wasted years being passive with God and God had all these other beautiful things for you and you never really got to have those things because they're not going to fall out of heaven on you, okay? Just like money's not going to fall down out of heaven. Usually you had to do something to get money. Like go to work or invest or do something. You know what I'm saying? I wish money would just fall out of heaven. I would love for it to. It just never has worked. And I don't know most people it doesn't work for. And people who, who, who a lot of people who money just falls into them without having some effort, it doesn't, it, it's bad for them. It hurts them. Am I fussing at y'all? No, I'm not fussing at you. Okay. Oh, Lord, help me. Here's here's, I wrote down these things. Our memories enable us to see, hear, and think about the past in ways that influence and impact the present. Do you hear that? Our memories enable us to see, hear, and think about the past in ways that influence and impact the present. Now, you're doing that whether you realize it or not. Everybody in this room does that. We all have memories and we're thinking about it. And that's going to impact how you feel about your life right now. And it's going to impact how you see the future. Here's the problem of a lot of believers. Oh, I did step out one time and it didn't work. Or I stepped out and I got hurt. I stepped out and I got rejected. I stepped out and I failed. So I'm not going to do that no more. I'm going to start playing it safe. You know, you see, your memory of that is impacting what you're doing right now and it's going to impact your future. Are y'all with me? So I'm just telling you, we've got to get rid of that kind of thinking. You've got to get rid of it. It's holding you back. I'm telling you, it is. It's holding you back. You've got to deal with those memories. And there's a spiritual connection between our memories of yesterday and our hope for tomorrow. A spiritual connection between your memories of yesterday and your hope for tomorrow. In other words, your memories of yesterday, your past can affect your future. It can have a negative effect or it can have a positive effect. If you allow it to have a negative effect, your hope is going to get diminished. Now listen, this is really important because your past and future are connected through your memories. Okay, because your memories affect how you think about your presence and what you're going to do in your future. And so think this. The devil goes after people's memories. Here's an extreme case, Alzheimer's. Yeah. Tell me that is not a demonic thing. What happens to a person who has Alzheimer's? They get fearful. We, we know about it. We know personally about it. We've had parents, a parent that was really ate up. Uh, an amazing woman, fear, fearless absolutely fearless let me tell you one night we're taking her to the beach and you know how the beach traffic is all this traffic all these cars were coming from the beach and she was flipping out you gotta stop Byron you gotta turn around there's something that's happened at the beach all these cars are coming like there's nothing happening here we're good we're good no there is something bad these people wouldn't be coming it's just an illogical thought so we stop at a gas station get gas I said, Ms. Davis, I just talked to that guy. He said, everything's good at the beach. Great. She was okay. Yeah. Five minutes, she was back to it. That woman would have never would have thought like that. Why? She had this fear on her because she was being robbed of her memories of who she was. You see, that's how diabolical this thing is. I mean, that would be like the ultimate thing. Where the, so your memories affect your identity, it affects who you are as a person. We know, we know these people, They're, especially with Alzheimer's people, their personality changes. A really sweet, beautiful person suddenly becomes arrogant and angry. A real moral person starts sharp shoplifting because they've lost their mind. They don't know who they are anymore. No and see, that's the devil attacking their memory. So, so our memory, see, the devil knows how powerful memory is. He knows how powerful remembering is. So everybody in this room, you may not be being attacked with Alzheimer's, but your memories are busting you or your memories are promoting you. They really are. And we have to begin to discern See, that's what I had to try to figure out. Well, well, God, I want to hear you. I want to see you. What the heck about this memory thing? Why why did you put that there? It's because, Byron, your memories are hurting you. They're holding you back. Mm. So the second thing I wanted to say is we need healing of our memories. A lot of people have a problem with that, but they can get over it. Because we need healing of our memories. The Bible says in Psalm 147 verse 3, He heals the broken hearted hearted and bandages their wounds. Part of that healing of the broken hearted, he's talking about something inward. Everybody in this room has gone through something negative in your past. You tell me about a child who's sexually abused. Don't they need their memories healed? Because it'll warp them for the rest of their life and they could possibly become abusers themselves because the memory of that thing was not fixed in them. We desperately need our memories healed. It is something that God does. I've experienced a lot of that. And you know what I found out? What I found out is for years, I hated my past. I was ashamed of my past. And when God began to heal my memories of my past and heal memories of bad things that happened to me, I began to see my past differently. Suddenly, I had a different perspective of it. I began to see it the way God saw it. I began to see the beauty of what God had for me in my life and why he put me in the family he put me in. Because for years, I despised my my history. I despised my family. I didn't despise him. I despised that I was a part of that family because it was so messed up in my mind. But God, once I started getting this healing, you can call it inner healing, you can call it deliverance, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But it is something that God does to change the way we see life. We begin to see it the way he sees it. We begin to see ourselves. We begin to see our, our mama and daddy. We begin to see our, our circumstance and situation. If terrible things happen to you, you don't see that as not being terrible. You see that as somebody who did something terrible. And that you get to forgive and God needs to heal you so you can go on with your life and not let that thing destroy you. But here's the truth, okay, that I've also found out. That's only half the equation. That's only half the equation. If all we do is get healed of our past, then we got halfway there. But there's another big part of it that God wants to add. And, and let me just read this verse. Are y'all good? Some. 103, I'm going to get finished on time, y'all. Psalm so 103, verse 2. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Remembering the good things God has done are tools for transforming our minds and enabling us to hear and know the voice of God for today. That's what it does for you. It's, it's a tra- it has a transformative power. See, we need to get healed of our memories, but we also need to be remembering the good things God has done in our life. So, actually, Paul said that in Ephesians 2 when he was talking to the Gentiles. Remember one time you were far away from God. He said, remember, you were far away from God. And now God has brought you in and made you a part of his household. That's a basic memory. That's a basic memory. Do not forget from where you came from. That you were far away from God, you were a lost person, and God saved you and brought you in and showed you His love and care. Just that, Paul was saying, can have a powerful impact on your life. Just that one thing. You know, uh, one time I'll tell you another memory story that's stuck out to me is one time. This is early on in our ministry, uh, like real early on. And we uh, met this guy who we were building this house, and there was one of the one of the workers came, and and uh, we got to talking to him, and you know, found out that he was a long backslidden prodigal person, and led him back to the Lord, and he started coming to the church, and uh, and. Then he had this then he confessed he was living with this girl. You know, just stuff lost people do. Right? They well we're just living together. Like, well, you need to stop. That's what I told him. I like, "Stop doing that. Don't do that. It's going to be Well, I said, "You know, you can either get married or move out. That's your choices. You know, you need to decide if you're supposed to be married. I can't decide that for you, but I told him, "I'll marry you if you feel like that's what you're supposed to do. I'll be glad to marry you." Uh, but if you don't, you, you, you know, find you another place to live. And so they decided they want to get married and she, so I married them. Uh, remember that there was like three people. There were two people at the wedding, me and Becky and them two. There were four people. In fact, I got in trouble. <laughs> you know, when you marry somebody, you got to have witnesses. You got to have like two witnesses. One. And so usually we get one on each side of the. Family. well the only witness we had there was Becky so she was the witness I sent it in to the registrar of D's they called me like you didn't finish this they're not legally married in our eyes because you only had one witness I thought ma'am I can't do anything about this there was only one person there what do you want me to do, lie? <laughs> she said I'll lie for you <laughs> she said don't worry about it I'll take care of it <laughs> I guess she put her name I don't know whose name she put on there Well, we were so happy, you know, that they got married, and here this guy was starting to get his life together. And, you know, she started coming to church. And this was over, you know, not a long period of time. This is over like two or three months. Uh, Then one day he didn't come to church for a couple weeks or maybe even longer. And then one day Becky gets this phone call, and it's from the funeral home. And they were saying, do you want to do the surfaces for this guy? What? What surface? The guy killed himself. Yeah, he killed himself. This girl he married that I married, and I'm feeling really bad at this point in my, in my ministry history. Like, boy, I'm really, I'm really taking off great here. This guy was accused of molesting this girl's daughter. That's why he killed himself, which would sort of indicate he was guilty, or he was so full of pride he couldn't, you know. I don't know what in the world, you know. That's how we felt. So we'd like we'll do the we'll do the memorial service, and so we go to the memorial service. I get there, and the funeral director is just in an uproar. Like I got to talk to you. We're having problems here with these families. They're they were ready to fight. It was, her, it was her people and his people, and they were at odds with each other because her people were ready to get get his family based on what they thought he did, you know, molest a little girl. So I thought, okay, you know, I tried to help the guy, like keep them separated. Well, normally put, like, oh, don't do that. Just keep them separated. I don't want no fight here. I ain't doing no refereeing at funerals. <laughs> I've actually had that happen a couple times. You know, like, go get them. They're fixing to come out here and get in a fight. It's the worst thing ever at a funeral for people wanting to fight. But. So I did this message. I did a message on, you know, hope, hope for suicide people, you know, because I don't believe somebody who commits suicide goes to hell automatically. I believe a person goes to hell that doesn't know Christ, you know. So I don't believe kill, killing yourself would necessarily keep you out of, out of the Lord's presence for eternity. Oh, boy. So I did it and, you know, did it and did the whole thing. And, oh, my gosh. This guy comes up to me and and says, Mr. Wicker. And I put put my hand out to shake his hands, and he wouldn't do it. And then I knew, oh, this is going to be bad. And he said, you have no right to be in the ministry. You are unfit based on what you have said and what you have done and I hope God pays you back with the wickedness that you've done here. I'm thinking (laughs) I'm thinking in my mind Lord is this true you know because at that moment you're vulnerable you're very vulnerable at that moment is this true Lord and you know what I did I went back to my memory when I felt the Lord call me Fortunately, there was another pastor there, a very well-respected, older-seasoned pastor who happened to know this guy, came just came. So I asked him, did I do something? You, what do you think about what I did? He said, it was awesome. You gave hope. You shared the gospel. You shared the good news. It was the most I said, well, this guy, he said, that guy, don't forget him. <laughs> That's what he does, just forget him. But I'm just, the, my point here. Is we're gonna run into things in our life where we have to go back to a memory. We have to go back to that God moment instead of what's happening in our circumstances and situations. You see, that's where the power of memory comes. You know, if you if you really study in the scripture, over and over and over, God would there's chapters in the Bible that are dedicated to reminding. Israel, it's all through the Psalms, Acts chapter 7, read Acts chapter 7, it's a whole dialogue of history of what God did to help the people at that moment to have faith in what he was doing, that's what the whole thing is, and plus, if you really want to know the history of Abraham, Stephen gives some details that are not even in the Old Testament, which is just totally fascinating to me about Abraham, what happened with Abraham. He fills in some blanks. It's, it's beautiful. But it's it's really how God begins to operate in our life. So if people who experience moves of God, you know, this. are y'all okay? Yeah. What happens with a lot of people who experience moves of God, which there's many people in this room that are addicted to that. And I say that in a very positive and good way. I am totally addicted to a move of God because that's, that's everything to me. I mean, that's why we're on the earth to see God move in the earth and, and save people and change the world. If we're not into a move of God, then we're just not into God. That's how I feel because God wants to move. God does not want to be locked down in a religious box. He wants out because he loves people and he wants to help people. And God helps people when he moves more than when he's not moving. I'm just going to tell you that, not that God's not not never moving. I think he's always moving on some level. But, you know, some days the wind blows hot harder than other days. And so, anyways, what has happened, and I think we're all being guilty of it, I know I've been guilty of it, is we have this memory of how awesome it was. And so we get this unhealthy thing on us where we're trying to have what we had, Okay? We're trying to bring something out of the past that God's no longer doing. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So a healthy memory is this. You remember that moment when God was moving. You're not trying to go back and get that. You're trying to allow that to affect you in the present. Okay? Instead of becoming an enemy of the new move of God... You know, they all say the people from the the biggest enemies of the new move is people from the old move. And it's because they're trying to hold on to something old instead of allowing God to move new because they have bad memories. Their memories need to be changed. Their heart needs to be changed. Are y'all following that? I'm giving you keys here because when God moves... Again, in a fresh way, in a real way, it may not look like it did in the past times. And some of you who embraced it the last time may not want to embrace it this time because it's not like it was. You have a bad memory going. You have an unhealthy thing going. You're not letting that memory serve you. You're serving that memory. Are y'all following this? It's really important, I'm telling you. Oh, yes, when we remember the good things that God has done, it opens the door for that power of the past to come into your present situation. Isn't that amazing? It opens the door for the power of the past to come into your situation. If you've ever prayed for somebody, they got healed. You can remember the next time you lay hands on somebody, you're looking at somebody. And you can, oh, God, help. Tell me what to do. Oh, yeah, I remember that time I prayed for that guy. And somehow you answered my prayer, and he got healed. I remember that. Let's get healed again. Let's do this in remembrance. And so I do believe, uh, does any of this make sense? Okay, Here's, here's what I felt. Uh, I, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna finish now, okay? Just in case you, you were wondering, you know. <laughs> I know how it is, y'all. I, when I listen to preaching, I'm like, okay, shut up. You're done. I'm done. You need to be done, <laughs> right? You know. So you're listening to somebody, and you're like, I'm just done. I've had enough. I've heard 17 things. I can only can- I can only handle eight. <laughs> so I'm already twice over my limit. And you want to keep going. <laughs> There's no fifth point. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just telling you my secrets. Oh, Lord, please make him stop. Please make him stop. Please. I've actually had, I've had we've had some amazing, uh, visiting preachers in this church. I had to talk to one of them. I love this guy. He has so much revelation. He don't know how to contain it. But I had to tell him, dude, you can't do this. You, uh, you, cannot, you can't preach here for an hour and 15 minutes. It just ain't going to get it. You know, because you're just wearing everybody down, and the next time they hear your voice, they're going to go, I'm not going to church Sunday. <laughs> you know, I don't want to sit in here all day listening to somebody, and, and 98% of it I ain't getting. <laughs> okay, so w- here's the thing. I, this is just confession time, okay? It, this is confession time. One of, one of the things that really plagued me in the past few years, and I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you, it was hard for me to overcome this was, you know, I felt I felt abandoned. Okay, not by God, but by everything in Christianity. I mean, it just felt like to me, uh, you know, the we had this move of the Lord and all that came to end. I, I just felt left somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, and I couldn't figure out where I was at and I couldn't figure out what to do. You know what I'm saying? And I was looking around because the whole Christian landscape changed. Christianity in America changed. And I was trying to figure out where, where do I fit into this now? Because a lot of what I was seeing is like, that's not me. That's not really who I am. I can't fit myself into this. You know? And so I struggled for a long time with all of that. I really struggled a lot. I mean, so much so i like, Lord, I know you don't want to hear this again, but (laughs) I need to talk to you about this because I'm struggling. I don't know where I fit anymore or even if I'm supposed to fit anymore. Maybe I'm just done and maybe I need to go park somewhere. I just need to know, I need to hear you, God. But here's what was happening, okay? It was deception, It was deception because God was not asking me to fit somewhere. He was not asking me to be anything but me. That's all he was asking me to do, to be me and and keep being the real me and let the real me keep coming forward, the better version, better version, better version, you know, because I ain't my best version yet. I'm going to tell you that now. You can ask Becky. She will confirm that. I mean, she can definitely, she, I won't tell you what happened last night. I was yelling at Becky driving out the, I can't believe you said this, Becky. I've spent hours changing this faucet and now you don't want it and you want me to get another one. I'm not going to do it. I can't believe you said that. That's what I was saying to her as I was driving out the, going back to Lowe's at 7 o'clock at night because there was a part missing on the stupid faucet. I couldn't finish it. And now she wants me to do a different one. But I was pulling down the road and I felt like the Lord said, there's nothing wrong with what she was asking you. Why don't you just go buy that when you can take it back if she don't like it and make her happy? (laughs) So she left, which I did, and she said, no, I like the one you put in. Thank you, Becky. I wasn't sure if, like, is she really just being nice to me because she knows I'm not good at doing that stuff and I get a little anxious doing stuff like that and... Even though my son is, can do that stuff, you know, don't ask him to do it. <laughs> like, can you come fix your urinal? church? No. I ain't got time. I'm sorry. Ooh, anything. What was I going to say? I need to finish, y'all. Anyways, I'm just saying I hadn't arrived, and I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have been so stupid acting. And, you know, so I went and bought it, and I wanted to make her happy you know, because I do want her to be happy with go spend a hundred and something bucks on a faucet and she's not happy with it. Well, that's stupid. That's what the Lord was saying. that would just be dumb to do that, you know, just be dumb. She's not going to be happy with it just because you didn't want to change it, you know. So I got that message from the Lord and brought her and let her decide, and she said she likes what I put in. I believe she's telling the truth. Anyways, so I think the lie that we're believing though is about ourself. You know, God wants to bring you to be yourself and don't let your past, good or bad, don't let it steal who you are and don't let what you see out here steal who you are. You don't have to be a certain way. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to do any of that. In fact, when you begin to do that, you are living in a lie and you'll never succeed living in a lie. You have to become who you're supposed to be and who you're supposed to be is more than not. It's not just acceptable. It is pleasing to the Lord. It thrills the Lord and it ultimately will thrill everybody around you because that's what they really need. They need that from you. They need you to be who you really are. Now, there may be edges on you that need to be knocked off and God will send iron sharpens iron. He'll send those people to knock those edges off in you. But you need to not allow culture to steal who you are because culture says this is the cool thing. This is the right thing. That's culture. Culture is not to dictate who you are. We're to dictate to culture this is what's really right. And the church has got to get to a position where we have enough confidence in who God says we are and have enough trust and faith in God that we can say to culture in a very generous and loving way, we don't believe what that's the right thing, but here's what we do believe. And we believe this can help you more than what you're doing. But we haven't had that confidence, so we speak weekly. And we see a watered-down Christianity out there. We see lies creeping in about all kinds of stuff, you know, that is acceptable to do this, it's compromise. And it's, a lot of times, well, we're going to compromise because we love this person. You're not aiding that person. It's like letting your, your 10-year-old get away with something that's really bad and you're not bringing them into accountability over it. Any good parent would know you don't do that because you'll create a monster. I used to tell my kids, like, you better listen to me because one day the police will get you over this. (laughs) Dad, what do you mean the police are going to get you? Well, you know, you'll grow up and be lawless. I'm just trying to help you not be lawless. Well, that was kind of extreme, Daddy. And I ain't that quite that bad. I just was mouthing off to you, you know. Are y'all following this? So I want you to begin to tap into the time and your memories of when you felt secure in God's love. And when you felt secure, when you felt like God was beginning to speak to you, to you about who you really are, okay? And let that be the thing to drive you instead of something out here. That's, what, that's how God got me out of that. He said, remember who you are. Remember who I said you are. And every time I would bring this conversation up, he kept saying that, and finally I started getting it. I started getting that there's this power in this memory to begin to shift me. And when I, when I can be shift, I can begin to shift things around me because I can start releasing the Holy Spirit at that point. The other way, I couldn't release the Holy Spirit because my faith wouldn't work. Your faith will not work with a false version of you. It just doesn't work. Y'all are looking at me frowning. All right, let's stand up. I went over eight minutes. I lied. <laughs> I said, I was... we about the faucet, yeah, the faucet, man. <laughs> Falses are very difficult to do because you got to lay on your back. You know. I just have a funny story. Way back, um, in a church, he was talking about preachers going on and on. We had a guy that was preaching one night in our service and going on and on. It was awful. I mean, it was like, we, it was a night service. It was awful. And finally, this is in the days where everybody could just pop up and say anything. Well, this one of the guys stood up. You probably I might remember this. Stood up, holding his stomach and saying, Brother, you've got to stop. You're making me sick. <laughs> that was back in the Jesus movement. You know, it was, <laughs> it was great, so. I just thought y'all needed to hear that today.
1: Well, the Lord's in the healing and restoration business. So let's pray, okay? Lord, we, um, we submit our memories to you. Our past, the things that we've done, the things that you've done. Lord, and we just pray that you would align those memories rightly. There are things that we need to probably forget. And move on from. Lord, I just pray your grace over those, those spots. Lord, and there are places that we need to remember. Yes. That those memories need to shine even more brightly. Because we need to remember those good times. Those yes. times when you were doing things when we thought there was no way. Those times when you were doing things that were miraculous and brilliant. Yes. Lord, so we just pray that you would do that work right now, Lord. And we thank you for that. Just in the spirit of the season, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the work that you're doing right now, the restoration that you're take, taking you, care Lord. of right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So the worship team's gonna sing a little bit, y'all. i ask the ministry team to come forward. So just some opportunity. If you really have some specific places in your memory that you need tended... Yeah. I'm saying don't be ashamed of that. Come up and have some prayer for it. If there are some things that you need to move on from, or if there are things that you need to remember, come on up. We can pray for those things. If you still feel like you'd like to contend for healing, we're invite you up to do that as well. As people are leaving, I just want to remind you all that there are Christmas baskets and angels that still need to be claimed for the Rio de Vita Christmas event. We love you all. Have a good day. God with us God for us amen you will you are God with us spirit